today we'll be receiving the Lord's Supper. The title of our message this morning is Christ the Substitute. Christ the Substitute. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. And let's begin reading with verse 17. Matthew 27, 17, When therefore they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had delivered him up. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. Let's stop there for a moment. You would assume from here that we learn that Barabbas was under the death sentence. Because you're going to release him, but somebody's got to die in this situation. So I just want to point that out. 20, verse 21. But the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Hoping perhaps that there would be leniency. They all said, let him be crucified. Christ is before Pilate. Pilate, I believe, it's safe to say, had some notion of Christ's being innocent. And he's struggling with that issue. He, um, I'm sure, had many, many deep thoughts going through his mind. A lot of what ifs, what if, what if. seems that he doesn't want to face the issue of a person such as Christ. Obviously innocent, dying the death of a criminal. It just doesn't compute. It just doesn't go. all throughout the ages. There have been those who have rejected and reacted at the idea of Christ dying on the cross. Many admire 
Christ as a moral man. They feel those who reject his dying on the cross, they feel, they sense a repugnance. And here's a key statement for us. At the doctrine of the atonement. Basic to their rejection. <clears throat> Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Because here we have a very simple date statement of the doctrine of atonement or let me throw in a couple of other words here at the substitutionary death of Christ we're thinking this morning about Christ the substitute 2 Corinthians 5.21 he made him who knew no sin to be sin why? On our behalf. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Hear me well. Men reject the doctrine of the atonement. Men reject the substitutionary death of Christ because it reveals the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Men would like to think that sin is a mere trifle. Amen. But if the doctrine of the atonement is correctly understood, if the doctrine of the substitutionary death of Christ is correctly understood, that is, that the only way for sin to be forgiven is by the condemnation and death of the sinless Son of God. And if you accept the truth of the atonement and the substitutionary death of Christ, then you're forced to accept the fact that sin is a horrible and intolerable thing. Amen. Do you not see that that presents a dilemma for those who are unable somehow to excuse themselves, rid themselves from the guilt of sin, they are forced to flee to Christ or carry the weight of the guilt of their sins. One or the other. Now, listen carefully. For this very reason that I just stated, men, in order to deal with the guilt of sin, will deny the biblical doctrine of the atonement. In order to make sin something less than it really is. They are actually denying that the death of Christ was vicarious. 
They are denying the substitutionary aspect of his death. Emphasis on the word substitutionary. Any doctrinal system which seeks to neutralize or evade the view of Christ's substitutionary death to be something less than that weakens and lessens the enormity of sin. It's just not that big a deal. It's just not that serious. For just a moment, think of Christ on the cross. Doesn't that tell you something about the exceeding sinfulness of sin? Doesn't that preach volumes? Those who accept a wrong view of the atonement, those who accept a wrong view of the substitutionary death of Christ, are not aware of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And they then reject, because of that, the true meaning of Christ's death. Amen. I've used the word true meaning on purpose. Why? Because we're coming to the table based on based on the true meaning of his death. Now what about this scene before Pilate? Well at best Pilate is in a big dilemma. He's in a quandary. What am I going to do with this guy? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the light turns on. And he thinks he's got a solution. You know what that solution is? A custom. It was a custom. That custom was not founded upon any divine ordinance or instructions. Nevertheless, Pilate thought, I think this is going to be a way out. It's a figurative realization of the deliverance of the people's forefathers out of Egypt they could request the freedom of some grievous offender from prison as a part of their custom. Pilate grasps at that like a man floating in the ocean looking for a plank to save himself. And right away he thinks, who's in prison? He's like reaching for this plank before he drowns. And then the name Barabbas comes to mind. 
And you know what Pilate thinks? Pilate thinks, surely, surely, these people would prefer that Christ be released rather than this vile criminal. You see, Pilate is mistakenly counting on at least some measure of humane sentiment on the part of the multitude. But alas, he's mistaken. So I think inwardly, Pilate probably still thinks I've got it made. And he goes before the crowd. And he says, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? It's not if and in both, it's one or the other. Do you get the picture? Nail that in your mind. One or the other. It's Barabbas or it's Christ. Notice, interesting observation. Pilate points out he's called the Christ. In asking the people their preference, Pilate reminds them this is Jesus. By the way, he's called the Christ. Do you see what happens here within a moment? A few seconds. Christ is no longer, his fate is no longer in Pilate's hands. The majority of the multitude will now decide. Not him. Pilate had at least been bold enough to follow the dictates of his own conscience. He should have, rather, been bold enough. He should have declared this, justice shall be done through the world, although the world should perish, this innocent Nazarene is free. What would have happened? Interesting to think. No doubt the people would have been shocked beyond imagination. But now, Pilate stands forever as a warning and example of the consequence, hear me, of endeavoring to satisfy both God and the world. There are many Pilates in our day. 
finding themselves in a situation where they must either set Barabbas free or deny Christ. It happens. And it happens every time that a choice must be made between what is right and what is wrong. That's involved. That makes our decisions of serious consequence with far-reaching implications. Pilate was faced with a choice. We will be faced with a choice many times in our life. The issue really is this. Do we prefer to please man or God? Are you beginning to get get the idea of a substitute as we progress? One or the other. It's one or the other. Whom do you want me to release for you? Well, we know the story. There's a messenger that interrupts the proceedings. Pilate's wife sends a messenger, warns him of the implications of what's happening. It's a, it's a warning from God. But he had already surrendered Christ to the will of the people. It was out of hand. He's somewhat disturbed. But he hopes, he hopes, he hopes that the people will make the right decision. Did you know this, that the crowd is usually wrong? Did you learn that when you were in high school? You should have. The crowd is usually, usually wrong. Barabbas had been seized in the act of committing murder. Do you not perceive that this man Barabbas stands, I'm choosing my words carefully, stands in the place of the human race fallen from God. In a state of rebellion against God, bound in the fetters of the curse of the law until the day of judgment. I work with prisoners, a lot of prisoners. I'm working with a man that has no hope ever, ever, ever of being 
set free. Barabbas didn't have any hope. Do you realize that that is the condition of all guilty sinners? No hope of ever being set free unless and or until Think of those words of Pilate. Whom do you want me to see that word release? Here's a man in bondage. Here's a man in prison. What does he need? What does he want? He wants to be released. Barabbas was certain he would be put to death. But now, but now, it's Barabbas or Jesus. Pictures change drastically. Keep those two words in mind as I've given to you. Barabbas or Jesus. Let me give you a little parenthesis. Not both. It's one or the other, but not both. Think about it. One will be released, one will be executed. That's the fact. If Christ is chosen, guess what? Barabbas is going free. If Barabbas is chosen, Christ will go free. It's one or the other. Does that not spell substitution? You see, we must come to grips, dear people, with reality that each one of us here this morning stand in that same relationship to Christ as did Barabbas. Who will die? The guilty or the innocent? Who? I'm going to state it very clearly. It would be impossible that both Jesus and Barabbas would be spared. That's not on the table. That's not under consideration. We know the outcome. The event took a favorable turn for Barabbas and for you and I as well. To Pilate's utter amazement. The multitude decides in favor of a criminal, of a rebel, and the cheer and the crowd is hollering, release Barabbas.
both the decision of Pilate to offer Barabbas and the decision of the people to spare Barabbas were part of God's eternal plan of redemption. It was all in his hands. Back as far as before the world was created, it didn't take God by surprise. The result, how would you describe the results? I, I wish we had time to check that out. That would be interesting. Let me tell you, here's the results. And that's why we've entitled our sermon, Christ the Substitute. Listen to this. The result of the decision is this. Barabbas and Jesus change places. That's as simple as I know how to put it. Does that not thrill your hearts this morning as you sit here? Why do you come to Christ? Why are you belonging to him this morning? Because you and Christ changed places. And there was someone who paid the price of our sins and of our rebellions. What are those places that they exchanged? Here they are, the murders, bonds, curse, and disgrace are transferred to Jesus. The liberty, innocence, and safety and well-being of the Immaculate Son of God becomes the lot of the murderer. And that is substitution that could not be any clearer. Do you not see that they both inherit each other's situation. The delinquent's guilt and cross becomes the lot of the just one, Christ. And all of the civil rights and immunities of the just one become the lot of the condemned criminal. You just cannot take it in, in terms of the implications. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here is a scriptural statement of substitution. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become <clears throat> the righteousness of God in him.
in Barabbas' deliverance, we see our own. Left to ourselves, we would be eternally lost. Christ obtained our redemption by taking our place as our representative and as our substitute which sets before us the meaning of the atonement. What is the meaning of the atonement? Those for whom Christ died are eternally saved. Think of the answer the crowd gives to Pilate. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Barabbas. Here's what's happening. These people are being instigated by their rulers and they have boldly and plainly expressed their will. They desire the pardon of a murderer and the death of Christ. I don't know about you, but I see the word substitute just glaring. Plain as day. From this point forward, it is a pity to see how Pilate sinks deeper with every step. Scarcely aware, even of being aware of what he says, Pilate said them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? This conscience of inward feeling of justice, the letter of the law by which he is bound, the warning from his wife, all tell him what he should do with Jesus. He ought to let him go. What shall I do? Dear ones, how many people in our own day, day share the shame and disgrace since they make what they ought to do with Jesus depend upon public opinion. crowd doesn't leave Pilate in suspense. Let him be crucified. Pilate is seized with amazement. And he exclaims, why, why, what evil has he done? They kept shouting all the more, let him be crucified. And the crowd has the upper hand. The rejection of the eternal Son of God. Barabbas is free. Can you imagine?
He expected the executioner to be the next at his door. But no, there's a messenger. Come on, get out, you're free. You're free. I'm sure Barabbas couldn't put it all together. He just couldn't. Too good to be true. Suppose he had said, man, I can't believe that. I'm going to stay here in prison. Such is the case with sinners who reject the gospel. Think of how foolish it is to reject the words of Christ. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Can you imagine, can you even think of it, that Barabbas might have said, I cannot accept my freedom, I must remain in prison until I'm able to improve and change myself for the better. I need to prepare myself before I can be set free. Sound familiar? What do you think the authorities would have said? Don't you know that you've been liberated? Someone has taken your place. You're free. Don't you know that you could never, ever achieve your freedom by self-improvement? Barabbas didn't have any such thoughts, I don't think. I believe he immediately accepted the message concerning his freedom. As soon as his chains were in lock, he was where he was. He left the prison. Out. I'm, I'm out of here. In shock, but out of here. Well, I think we see the picture. I trust we do. The death of Christ was substitutionary. Barabbas and Christ both didn't die. Just Christ for Barabbas. Christ for you and me. Not both. Just Christ as a substitute. I want us to really, really think about that as we come to the table. Christ the substitute. Christ my substitute. 